no, it's the Creator Spaces show. Do you consider yourself a creator? Yes, I think that is the most all-encompassing definition that I can use for myself because I am a software engineer, I'm a writer, I co-founded a startup last year. So there are a lot of facets of my personality and only creator can say everything that I mean in one word. So what exactly do you create? Currently, I write about creator economy, I write about startups in creator economy, I write about communities, but right now my total focus is on my newsletter and on my blog called Community Weekly. Awesome. So I want to start with the newsletter just because I'm not sure if you're aware, Twitter just started rolling out the subscribe button to review newsletters on Twitter profiles today. And I'm wondering, first off, what are you hosting on now? And second, are you thinking of moving to review? I started my original newsletter on MailChimp because that's the only name I knew for newsletters. And I had like maybe 200 subscribers for six months or something like that. I hated MailChimp as a provider, the interface, the place where I needed to write the scheduling. I needed it. A lot of people when they are starting a newsletter, it's not just a newsletter. Like it's a website, it's a sign-up form, it's a lot of things. So I had MailChimp, I was also paying for Webflow, and I decided, okay, I will jump to this startup called LetterDrop, and it removed a lot of my expenses, like Webflow, at all. I canceled it. So you went to LetterDrop. Did you stay there? No. So LetterDrop, it's an amazing product in of its own, but it had lots of bugs. I'm guessing you went to Substack? I tried. So I decided to migrate my newsletter. And at that point, I had 66 articles and newsletter issues published, which means I had to manually transfer all of that. I had to manually transfer subscribers. I again needed to go through the hell of creating a landing page and finding a substitute or something like that. I had two paid members. And they said that because the members are not acquired through Substack, the best I can do is to compensate them for life, which means give them free content. What? They don't have a way to import no. subscribers at this Wow. They don't. It was in May. They did not have a way to import paying subscribers. I decided to stick with Ghost, self-hosted on DigitalOcean and use Email Octopus for the newsletter. But what I discovered along the way is because my list was significantly lower, there was no migration service of the newsletters. Yeah, and no one is providing that to small creators. Everyone cares about you when you have only like 5,000 subscribers and more. How do you go about building your audience now? Did something shift in the way you promoted to get more growth? I will say that I am more relaxed now, which is a super strange thing to say, considering that I want to like increase the number of my memberships and get this project much more visibility and increase my profits, of course, as a creator. But I remember in the beginning, I was in the spam mode, like I was on Indie Hackers, like looking for all the ways to put my link somewhere. Hey, I am writing a newsletter, all of this stuff. And mm. that was giving me growth yes 
but I was always very alert or an anxiety about my growth. Like I don't get enough subscribers. I should have 1000 by the end of November to consider myself a good newsletter writer and stuff like that. But after I did my product hunt launch, which brought in the significant amount of my current subscribers, I decided to just work on my current subscribers and just use Twitter as my main promotion channel and occasionally using Racket, but maybe I again find one more channel just for fun where I will be just sharing for myself not as newsletter writer that's my approach now very laid back very content focused rather than growth focused yeah and it seems like you've recentered the way you talk about everything around yourself instead of around the newsletter to have given you that space yeah, I would say that one of my regrets is having like Community Weekly as a brand rather than Anna Thoughts or Anna's Top 5. I'm really interested in what you mentioned about how you don't like that you branded it separate because I'm probably in the next week going to take this current Twitter account mm-hmm. and brand it entirely for the podcast and make my own new personal account to separate those things. I don't know why. I'm very curious why. Okay, so a few reasons. First off, this account has a bunch of Twitter bands on it, so it really can't grow organic. That's probably the biggest one. Two, because I want to give control of the account to somebody else, Mm -hmm. and I want to expand the show into a small network in Mm -hmm. the next year, and so I want that to be a brand. And three, so that way I don't have to be involved with it, and I don't feel guilty about it. Okay, those are interesting reasons. I don't know about the bands. I never had the band on Twitter, honestly. Yeah, I used some automation early on. And I I think those have permanently reduced my account's potential. Interesting. I did not know that. I think those are good and legitimate, especially for podcasts. It makes sense because podcasting is this very strange medium where you're an audio medium, but at the same time, you're discovered through your transcript or text, which is very confusing, at least for me. And if I say what type of creators really desperately need the community, I'd say it's the podcasters because they really don't have a way to get feedback or be in the loop with their listeners so for podcasts i totally see that because podcasts specifically need that brand for themselves but for newsletter i would not do that from the research that i did for myself and what kind of brand this newsletter i want to be i think it's beneficial to have a person attached to it rather than this random community weekly like column that is suggesting you tools and interesting things that you should read i think it's more interesting to get that from a person rather than from Community Weekly. Break down for me your monetization strategy. Okay, so I think every creator in their life at least once read that article saying that you need only 1,000 true fans to live on the internet. And that article is true, but I realized that you don't need to have thousands of subscribers to start monetizing, which is a revelation, I think, to start monetizing, especially if you want to monetize through sponsorships or affiliate links. It doesn't really matter the number of subscribers. So I started monetizing early on. I got my first sponsorship when I had 300 subscribers, only 300. Mm -hmm. Please tell me about that because I'm going out for my first sponsorships now. 
So for me, it was very hard to justify to some extent to the brands as much as we like to say that, yeah, they are monetizing you for you, like they like your content and stuff, they need numbers. Like they need to justify to their bosses why they are sponsoring this 300 subscriber newsletter. And in the beginning, I had quite good statistics. Like I had at least 20% click rates, like 50% open rate. And that was very big for newsletter economy. Yeah. So I just went on Product Hunt. I went on Beta List. I subscribed to Sponsor Gap and I just cold emailed. And maybe from 60 cold emails, three people reached out to me, answered my email, and one of them sponsored me. That was the first sponsorship. What structure did you use? Because what I'm thinking is I want to go after a year title sponsor, so that way I can get more than what I'm worth. That makes sense. I think there are different types of sponsorships you can do, like the classifieds, which is just a link, and yeah. the main sponsorships, like sponsor of the issue, like dance discovery style with a photo, with a huge text, and with a link. And I think you can do a dedicated issue. So it depends on who you approach. your north star metric for success how do you know you're on the right path i would say that right now specifically it's monthly recurring revenue but i hope that this november i will launch a community for the members of community weekly pro so at that case i will value the health of the community rather than the revenue part of it so tell me about that shift to community yeah. So one of my other regrets is that I did not launch it sooner just because yeah, newsletter is good, but it's very unpredictable. And when earlier I mentioned that I had 52% or even more open rate, it gradually declined. So now my open rate is in its best days, 38%. Above 25 or 30 is very good. Yeah. But I think if I had a newsletter and a community, it will be much easier to communicate communicate with my audience, maybe know what questions they have. And I have added a forum where subscribers can submit their questions and I will answer them. So what's your current goal as a creator? My current goal is to make my habits and working day much more structured because before I had only one issue to write a week, right? A free issue for everyone. And maybe I would publish one or two blog posts a week. Now I have also paid members, so I need to write for them as well. And I'm looking for a ways to incorporate that branch into my routine. So I will not burn out, but at the same time, I will be able to give quality value to pro members as well. If you could send a tweet back to your start, what would it be and when would it be? I would send a tweet to myself last year around. This time I will say, don't launch the podcast, just write the newsletter and the blog and relax. Because everything I did after launching that podcast was on some kind of hamster wheel that I have built for myself. And I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs>